Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. Biden does it again. This guy cannot seem to get his own autobiography right. I mean, is there, what's the explanation for this? It's only one of two things, right? Correct me if if there's an option C, let me know. Either Joe Biden is entirely incapable of, of, of cogn- incapable of cognitively processing what happened in his own life because he's losing his mind and is going senile, and he's not lying, or Joe Biden is an unrepentant liar. I've got that. I've got a lot more. The fear porn campaign continues. Governor of Washington, Joy Reid, piling on. Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Let me get right to it. Got the jobs report that came out today. This is probably the most loaded Friday show we've had in a few weeks. With cyber attacks on the rise, protecting your data security is more important than ever. So why is Congress considering a law that puts your data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill shifts billions in consumer spending to less secure payment networks, all so that corporate megastores can make bigger profits. Don't let Durbin Marshall steal your data. Visit handsoffmyrewards.com security and tell your senators to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Paid for by Electronic Payments Coalition. All right, Joe, it's Friday, so if you would, find sir. It's Friday! We haven't had that in a while, right? Yeah. Last Friday we were off, right? It, yeah. Yeah, so it's been actually, Joe had a lot of pent-up energy. There. Yeah, I was covering uh, I was for your coffee up. sip there, too, you know? I wanted to stretch it out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, seriously, brother, you know it, man. No, it's good to have you back yeah, on Friday. Man. Hey, don't miss my show, by the way, tomorrow night. I've got a, uh, we're working on a special guest right now. I've got another fiery de- uh, rebuttal debate with a Democrat that should be, uh, this one's going to be hot. Unfiltered, Fox News, tomorrow night, 10 p.m. The show has been an incredible success. Thanks to you. Set your DVR. If you can't make it, Saturday night, 10 p.m. Really appreciate it, Unfiltered. All right, let's get right to it. Folks, I discussed yesterday the Big Mo. What's the Big Mo? No, it's not a guy named Mo who's overweight. The Big Mo is Momentum. The big Mo in politics is a real thing. Okay, you may not be able to touch it or feel it. It's not like Play-Doh, moldable moldable Play-Doh, but it's real. Momentum in politics is real. Joe Biden doesn't have it. I discussed this yesterday, how they call it the big Mo. It's kind of a joke, but the big Mo can work for you or it can work against you. It's like a political bank account, right? Momentum in, momentum out. Joe Biden has no momentum. His presidency is collapsing at a historic rate. The jobs numbers came out today, folks. The jobs numbers were atrocious. They were expecting 500,000 jobs in the November report. Less than half of that, 210,000 oh. jobs. Folks, that's, yeah, uh, yeah, that is an atrocious number. This is not good. I do not celebrate an economic downturn. Um, granted, we did add jobs, but we should be adding jobs at an extraordinary rate given what we went through with the coronavirus in the last year, and we are not. They are consistently now missing estimates by economists because Joe Biden is doing everything wrong. He continues to talk about removing money from the economy through higher taxation, spending more money we don't have, more regulation, more Green New Deal crap, more spending. None of it is working, and he continues to double down, showing you how the big mo is getting worse for him. Even Democrats have decided to come out now publicly against his vaccine mandates. Here's Joe Manchin issuing a statement today. Joe Manchin's a Democrat from West Virginia. By the way, I don't trust this guy. He's not, he's not, he's, he talks a big game, but he's not doing a lot to, doing a lot to stop these vaccine mandates. Get with Mike Lee and start working on this. Mike Lee's been all over uh, fighting against these vaccine mandates. But Manchin, as you'll see on the screen, just put out a statement. 
saying he will not vote to shut down the government for purely political reasons. There's too much at stake. He says, but let me be clear. I do not support any vaccine mandate on private businesses. And he goes on and on and on. Showing you again, the big Mo matters. Even Democrats see no penalty whatsoever right now to flipping the double-barreled, family-friendly middle finger to Joe Biden and saying, I'm a Democrat. You have no political capital. The big Mo is working against you. I am going to come out against your signature vaccine mandate policy right now. Double-barreled, family-friendly right there, buddy. Now, the big Mo is getting worse for Biden. Gonna motor through this fast because we've got a ton of quality material to get to today. We'll not be disappointed in today's show. Watch the fact checkers go crazy. I've noticed a pattern with the fact checkers, air quotes, because they're not really checking facts, they're opinion checkers. The fact checkers have become very disturbed about stories about Joe Biden either lying or appearing to be cognitively impaired. Anytime Joe Biden forgets something read something off the prompter that he questionably should have read. The fact checkers go crazy because they're starting to realize, given that they're full-time Democrat activists who can't find real jobs, the fact checkers are starting to realize that the public is now catching on based on polling data that Joe Biden is not cognitively prepared for this job. They know it. They know it. So they are in full force now trying to protect the image that this guy is competent when he isn't. Anytime, watch them go crazy over this cut. I'm going to show you a video here. Here is his latest uh, snafu. Situation normal all mm, up. You get that for those of you who were in the military, right? Watch the fact checkers lose their minds over this. Here's Joe Biden during his speech yesterday, claiming that he was a liaison for the U.S. government with Israel during the Six-Day War. <laughs> and then he was, let's just well, listen to this for yourself. I'll explain in a minute. Check this out. I was saying to a couple of younger members of my staff before I came over, but the many times I've been to Israel, I said, and all of a sudden I realized, God, you're getting old, Biden. <laughs> I have known every, every prime minister well since Golda Meir, including Golda Meir. And during the Six-Day War, I had an opportunity to, uh, she invited me to come over because I was going to be the liaison between she and the Egyptians about Suez, so on and so forth. Watch the fact checkers lose their mind. As Red State noted, it's clear here. Joe Biden was not there during the six day war as a liaison. Why? Because as Fox News notes, Joe Biden was in law school at the time. It was not a U.S. senator. It doesn't. No, none of this matters. Here's what the fact that is what he said. You just saw the video. OK, you just saw it and heard it. None of this matters. It proves again my theory that it's one of two things. The man is either an unrepentant liar or can't remember basic facts about his own life because he's so severely cognitively impaired. Either way, he should not be president. Watch what the fact checkers will say. They'll say, no, no, no. He meant to say the Yom Kippur War. Well, you don't know what he meant to say. You're not in his head, number one. And even if he did, he still wasn't some official government liaison. He's just making this up, proving my point again. He's either a liar or he's so cognitively impaired. His autobiography is a a story of fiction in the fiction section of the libraries, they say all the time. Just quick, because I don't like to waste a lot of time on this stuff. But it's, it's just, again, it speaks to how this guy can't seem to get anything right. Anything. You want to see a hilarious, it is Friday. This is a hilarious entrance by Joe Biden into the Christmas at the White House thing. So LL Cool J is the MC. You got to watch this on my Rumble account. You'll hear it 
but you got to watch it. So LL Cool J wants to introduce Joe Biden for this Christmas at the White House thing, and you'll hear him do it. And there's nothing unusual about this, but you'll notice there's a lot of applause, a lot of applause, but there's no Joe Biden. Check this out. Now, it is my tremendous honor to welcome our literal host, the actual host for this very American celebration, President Biden and First Lady Dr. Jill Biden. Now, I, because that video is two minutes and 30 seconds, what? What do you mean? They introduced Biden. Why did it take two minutes? Because Joe Biden did not come out for two minutes. Is he confused? I, I don't know. What is this guy doing? Why does this always happen to Joe Biden? Two minutes ago, I was going to tell Guy, just fast forward the video on the thing, but I really didn't want to waste time. I had to cut out two minutes. Right. So here's part two. This, Joe, right? We're not making it up. No. It's about 150 to two minutes. Yeah. No, Everybody's clapping, clapping, less clapping. They stop clapping. They're still waiting. Here's two minutes later. LL Cool J has to introduce Joe Biden again. Check this out. Two very boring minutes later. A lot of applause. And now it's my tremendous honor to welcome our real host, our literal host for this very American celebration, President Biden and First Lady, Dr. Jill Biden. <laughs> so great. Two minutes later. <laughs> I can't laugh because it makes me want to cough. This is so cringe, folks. It's I watch the fact check watch the fact checkers mark my words. I'll be like, Joe Biden didn't miss the cue. It was an extended long entrance. It was like a pregnant pause because it was such a dramatic moment. They wanted to dramatize the grand entrance of Biden. Watch, mark my words. Be watch. Bailiff Wagner or whatever it is from USA Today, reach out today. Dan, we have word that Joe Biden was in a pregnant pause there, wanted to make a dramatic two-minute long. And watch, just wait, I promise you. They hate these stories because they show again how Biden's either a liar, cognitively impaired, or can't even hit his own cues at his own events. All right, moving on. Hey, one quick note before I get to the fear porn thing coming up next. It was a story, I, I'm, you know, we're staying on the Ghislaine Maxwell trial. Something came out yesterday that I saw, and just before the show, I picked it up. And apparently Jeffrey Epstein had visited the White House 17 times. I'm going to throw this out there, having been in the White House for a long time myself. What they need to do is see if they can get a hold of the elevator logs for who went up to the private residence. Remember the White House. This is something you're not going to hear in media coverage. The White House is the East Wing and the West Wing, right? The East Wing second floor is the residence. That's where the president and the family live. That's our private residence, okay? There's an elevator to go up there. There's a log to go up that elevator. I'd like to see where exactly Epstein visited. Was Epstein in the White House on the residence side 17 times or was it the West Wing side? I'd like to see that. I'd like to see those elevator logs. And if Epstein was in the residence, what the hell was he doing up there? Not many people asking that question. We'll see what happens there. I don't want to get to the questions in advance, by the way. You know, we do questions with them. But someone asked a question today. Why I always scratch my head with the wrong hand. 
It's because I can't reach with my left shoulder to scratch my own head sometimes. That's why. That, so some people like uh, why they're like why do you always scratch your because my right, right left shoulder is so damaged I can't do it I just did that again but I can reach my nose that's why I brought that up that's a question for later so you get the questions in advance all right uh, let me move on here you got a lot more to get through the fear porn campaign continues ladies and gentlemen immunize yourself immunize yourself yeah against BS that's the real vaccine you need to take against fear porn right now get the fax vaccine. To the ongoing fear porn campaign. Why does the left love fear porn campaigns? I told you yesterday. It's obvious at this point, folks. They love it because it's working for them. The constant Delta, it's Omicron, it's Gammacron, it's Decepticon. This is never going to stop. They are enjoying this. There is a diminution and taking of your civil liberties every time the Democrats can scare you enough to get you to give them up. Non-anxious, non-afraid people. Do not give up their freedom voluntarily. Hence, the ongoing fear porn campaign is continuing with Omicron. On this show, we do the facts. We're going to ground you in reality and never, ever waste your time. Here is a health official from Botswana reporting on Omicron and some of the patients they've seen. And again, reporting that the symptoms are mild. Now, because we do facts, will this change? Are some of the people infected younger and healthier? They could change. But it hasn't changed. So I see no reason to engage in another fear porn campaign to scare the hell out of people until we know. Sound reasonable? No? Here, listen to this health official from Botswana wondering why everybody's freaking the hell out. Again, check this out. Out of a total of 19 of these uh, cases, including the first four, 14 were foreign nationals. And we only had five who were local um, local residents and citizens. So far, what we are seeing from most of the contacts of these first 19 cases, most of them have tested negative. Um, and we are continuing to follow them up during their quarantine period to say um, on, on completion of quarantine, have they actually incubated the virus? But so far, all the contacts have, have tested negative and and. Most of the cases themselves, really, nobody had any symptoms. One or two people might have had a few mild flu-like symptoms, but resolved in one or two, two days. So the percentage of people who listen to the show identify as conservatives, libertarians, Republicans, and moderate Democrats are obviously far greater than liberals. I have a very small liberal audience for obvious reasons. I'm not a liberal, nor do I plan on being one ever. I don't plan on being stupid. But now do you understand why if you're a regular listener to this show and other conservative podcasts, Mark Levin and others, how you have a very grounded sense of, yeah, coronavirus is serious, but I'm going to live my life. I understand the risks. I'll do what I have to do to mitigate the threat, but I'm going to move on and live my life. How we're not living in panic. Yet how when you poll leftists, he loves this story. How when you ask leftists, what's the fatality rate of coronavirus, the hospitalization rate, they get it wrong by like a factor of three and four. They think coronavirus is far more deadly than it is. Because they're not listening to this show or the Daily Mail, Reuters, where that came from. They're listening to people like this. Joy Reid and the governor of Washington, Jay Inslee, two crazed leftist Democrats who have them in a panic. And now you understand why leftists think everyone's going to die from coronavirus tomorrow morning. I really feel bad for them that they live in this world of stupid, this vortex of ignorance. But they do. Here, this is what they're hearing on TV. Here's crazed leftist gold medal winner in our dopey talking, talking head of media Olympics, Joy Reid. She's back. 
lighting the panic fuse again last night. And the crazy thing is the Surgeon General's on with her. I didn't play the whole thing. He actually has to calm her down. And he's a leftist, too. Here, check this out. My uh, adult children live in New York. They are, uh, they've been screenshotting and sending me if, if info on Omicron. It's really frightening because it feels like it is the next sort of wave of the pandemic. And it, it feels kind of unstoppable. <laughs> Joe, it's unstoppable, buddy. It's unstoppable. This is, yeah. you, you get it now? I, I really genuinely feel like, and this is not a moment of self-praise, I promise, self-praise things. But I feel like my greatest public service to you, if you spend your time with me here every day, is to ground you in facts and reality and immunize you against stupidity. Folks, we don't know enough about this Omicron variant to come to any conclusions, no less Joy reads that it's, quote, unstoppable. You know what's unstoppable? This woman's just exponential sense of stupidity and ignorance and how she spreads it around. That's unstoppable. That is why I'm telling you, you poll conservatives on all of these issues. How many uh, black men unarmed are shot by police? How deadly is a coronavirus? Consequential questions. We get them right and liberals get them wrong because they listen to stupid. I've got more stupid coming up next. The governor of Washington, another radical leftist nut, saying, quote, he's going to do what he's going to do about the Rona, no matter the science. I thought they were the party of science. No, you're the party of science. This is the show about science. Welcome to the party. If you're looking for a firearm that's easy to transport, you got to check out the U.S. Survival Rifle from Henry Repeating Arms. It's a portable rifle you can put together and take apart in a few minutes. And then when you're not using it, you can store the parts in the little case it comes in. It's so small, it can be stored anywhere, in a go bag, anywhere. It's light enough to carry everywhere. Comes in black and two different camo patterns. You can pick one up for three to $400, depending on the finish. You can watch a few videos at henryusa.com survival. And while you're there, be sure to order their free catalog. Henry makes more than 200 rifles, shotguns, and revolvers in the role made in America, backed by a lifetime satisfaction guarantee and the best customer service in the business. Go to their website. It's henryusa.com and be sure to order a free catalog. They'll send it with free decals on a list of dealers in your area. That's henryusa.com for a free catalog and decals and to see the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle. All right, <clears throat> back to the content here. Here's Governor Jay Inslee, a radical leftist from the state of Washington, saying what we've told you the whole time. That the left are full of crap, folks. They keep telling you they're the party of science. And yet when actual science comes out, like a Botswana health official telling you what the actual research on the level of infectiousness and virility of Omicron comes out, all of a sudden they ignore that. They ignore it because fear porn works better for them. Here's Inslee acknowledging it. Check this out. So we will be active no matter what the science tells us. But the way to be active against this... The new variant is to be active against the old variant that is today killing people in the state of Washington. He doesn't really care. They don't care about the science. It doesn't matter. They care about the panic. It's working for them. When are people going to wake up on the left to what's happening to them? You are useful idiots in this game, and it's a really sick game. All right, uh, moving on. Here's what I got coming up. Uh, one of the... Best tweets I've ever seen, excuse me. Washington Post, gaslighting, trying to cover for Twitter as their policy backforce. I got a lot more, but I want to thank you first. Uh, Rumble, I announced yesterday, has gone public. We've accessed the public capital markets for people to invest, if you care to. We merged with uh, CFVI. We combined with CFV, as in Victor, by the way. I keep getting the questions on that. It's CFVI. It was an enormous success. The launch yesterday, um, listen, 
I just want to tell you, I deeply appreciate your support. Rumble is committed and will remain committed. Will remain committed to the rebirth of a free, fair, and open internet. And I just want to I tell you yesterday, because I didn't talk about it a lot yesterday, but this is just the beginning for Rumble, folks. Our CEO, Chris Pavlovsky, is a genius. He is the single smartest tech executive I've ever met, and I've met a lot of them. A lot of people pitch me on ideas. I have never seen a guy with better vision and a better strategic plan to go back and rebirth the free, fair, and open internet. This is just the beginning for Rumble. We are involved in a lot of things, folks, not just video. We are involved in the pipes of the internet, rebuilding the pipes of the internet, cloud services. This is, this is the future of a free, fair, and open internet rumble. And I am so deeply honored to be a part of it. Thank you for all your incredible feedback and kind support. Our launch in the public market yesterday through CFVI was an enormous success, and I'm deeply proud. Um, I just want to address, too, Listen, I'm a big fan of Tim Pool. Our team has defended him publicly against a lot of attacks that come his way uh, by the cat lady and others, and we'll continue to do that. I'm a big fan of his work. He's been a tremendous asset. But, um, you know, he said some things about Rumble yesterday going public that are just plain inaccurate, folks. I would not get involved uh, with a company that wasn't committed, resolutely, absolutely, ironclad committed to rebuilding the free, fair, and open, net, open internet. Going public for us is not going to, uh, not going to, it's not changing our mission at all. We've retained the same group that got us here is the same group in charge now, and it'll be the same group in charge tomorrow. Nothing changes. Nothing. So um, I appreciate Tim's show a lot, but uh, if Tim wants to discuss it, I'm happy to come on. Chris, uh, the CEO, is happy to come on, but it's a fair thing to do because it, that the information was just inaccurate. But I said, we're not going anywhere. The same management team that retains management control now. Free and open internet. That's what we're doing. And thank you for just a tremendous launch yesterday in the public markets. We deeply appreciate it. Okay. Um, so Daryl Brooks, the alleged uh, alleged murderer in the uh, Waukesha Christmas massacre, which seems to have uh, strangely disappeared from the media headlines because it doesn't fit their pre-existing narrative. Doesn't fit their pre-existing narrative at all. Alleged uh, the, the suspect here is black. Victims are white. All of a sudden, boom, off the front front page of the papers. Quite weird, huh? So the Waukesha Christmas parade attack suspect, Daryl Brooks, is a New York Post notes, feels dehumanized in jail. Well, as a Twitter user noted, Dermot M., that's because people keep calling him a car. You've seen the media coverage the last few days of the Waukesha massacre. You'll understand what he means. He feels dehumanized. The media keeps referring to the SUV that killed people. The SUV was driven by someone. Daryl Brooks isn't a car. Daryl Brooks is a human being. And you should feel dehumanized. Media has been grotesque on this the entire time. We need that chart up again. Remember that chart we had, Guy, from, was it X-John, about the perpetrators? Remember that? Subject white. Victim black, subject of victim white. Remember that? We need that chart, the X-John chart back, because it'll show you. It's so predictive of the media narratives every single time. It's scary. All right. Got a lot to get through. Moving on. The Washington Post. So Twitter has a new policy. Twitter's new policy is they are not going to allow private images to circulate around the platform anymore. What they, or private images, I should say, not private images. Images of private, what they call private individuals. Well, this is turning out to burn them. And the Washington Post picked it up today. Far right is using uh, Twitter's new rules against anti-extremism researchers. 
Here's what's going on here. So now all of a sudden this policy is backfiring by Twitter, really backfiring, because now leftists like Antifa who want to take pictures of the people who follow them and put them out on Twitter are starting to find out that that's not quite working out for them either. And then the Antifa people are saying, hey, we're taking pictures of neo-Nazis and racists and we can't publish them either. This Twitter policy was guaranteed to backfire. I told you it was guaranteed to backfire 100 percent. And now the left is complaining because they're saying, well, we can't expose these people using pictures of these, quote, private individuals. And now we don't like this policy either. Do You see what happens. Do you see how this policy of starting to suppress free speech and a free and open Internet is going to inevitably backfire on the leftists who wanted it? You, am I making sense here, Joe? The leftists yeah. are saying now, they're complaining, Joe, saying, we want to take pictures of these neo-Nazis in Charlottesville, and now we can't post them to Twitter. You see what right. happens when you don't have a free and fair internet? Even the lefties start to complain. Twitter, what a bunch of idiots. Notice the gaslighting in this piece, too, as they talk about anti-extremism researchers. No, they're talking about Antifa. They're not talking about anti-extremism researchers, Mike Caboose. There's no anti-extremism researchers. They're talking about Antifa. All right, got a lot more to get to. Um, tell you what, let me get to my third sponsor. Here's what I got coming up next. Jen Psaki hilariously blowing it again. There is not a better propagandist right now out there than Psaki. It's Peppermint, she just has the gift, man. And she doesn't, here's the thing about Psaki. She has no problem embarrassing herself to cover for Joe Biden at all. Ruining her reputation, whatever reputation she thought she had left. I got a soundbite coming up from her next. That's just of all the ridiculous things she said. I think this one may take the cake, which is shocking. All right, here's Saki yesterday. And uh, before I play this cut of her blaming the crime spike on COVID, I want you to think about this. I want you to think about three questions while listening to this. Number one. If the crime spike is due to poverty and COVID and people struggling and just trying to feed themselves, then why aren't they robbing supermarkets? Why are they robbing Fendi and Gucci? Are they eating the Gucci bags? Are they taking the alligator skin and, and boiling it? Putting a little salt and pepper, maybe some adobo on there. My personal favorite. Yeah. Maybe a little bit of seasoning, some garlic powder. I don't know. I'm not sure they're eating the Fendi bags. I'm not really sure. So that's question number one. Question number two. Why is this crime spree only happening in the United States and not around the world? I'm reasonably confident, Armacos, that COVID was not limited to the United States. Matter of fact, it began in China, in Wuhan. Mm, yeah. So why isn't that happening there around the world? Why is it happening here? And why, given that it's happening in the United States, is it relegated almost exclusively to liberal cities where this crime rate is happening? Why? That all COVID? COVID just was in the United States and just in liberal cities? Of course, Peppermint knows this. So watch her humiliate herself in this sound clip here. Ask the same question by Peter Ducey. Hey, uh, are you seriously blaming this on COVID? And watch her say, oh, yeah, yeah, I am. I'm an idiot. Check this out. When a huge group of criminals organizes themselves and they want to go loot a store, a CVS, a Nordstrom, a Home Depot, until the shelves are clean, you think that's because of the pandemic? I think a root cause in a lot of communities is the pandemic, yes. She just uh, she just can't stop. The root cause is the pandemic. So let's go rob Gucci and Fendi and what? Eat it? I mean, again, I'm not sure. Again, it's not happening. The pandemic happened around the world, but it's only happening in liberal cities in the United States. These people have no shame, folks. They don't care at all. It doesn't bother her one bit. 
humiliating herself as part of her job. And she grasps it and runs with it every single day. All right, moving on. Folks, the COVID waste is everywhere. The government is not in charge. The job numbers today, again, were horrendous. 210,000 jobs reported in November. Growth, they were expecting 500,000. Everything is collapsing on Biden at the same time as the big Mo starts to work against him right now. Inflation is the highest it's been in 30 years. Consumer confidence is down to 67 from 71. Labor force participation is at near historic lows. We are in real trouble right here. Even worse, the government's efforts to, quote, help, because any government help is usually harm, are not working. There's a reason for this. When the government spends money, the government doesn't care where the money goes. Why? Because the government is spending other people's money, your tax dollars, on other people. Therefore, cost and quality don't matter, as the great Milton Friedman said, which I'll play in a minute. The government takes other people's money, so they don't care about the cost of what they're spending it on. It's not their money. And they don't care about the quality either because they're not even spending it on themselves. They're giving it to other people as benefits so they don't even keep quality control. You need more proof? Just the news article. Be in my newsletter today. Stunning waste. Unemployment fraud during COVID costs more than triple total benefits paid in 2019. At least 10% of all unemployment benefits paid during the pandemic were lost to fraud. Why is that? It's because cost and quality doesn't matter. That's why. It is not their money. They're getting it from you, and they're not spending it on themselves. They're spending it on others, on others. so they don't even care about the quality. I have discussed this in the four ways to spend money. I would argue to you, if you're interested in economics and you like my show, I get a lot of good feedback on the brief economic segments we do. This is the most important minute and 40 seconds you will ever watch on my show. It is Milton Friedman explaining the four ways to spend money and why government spending will never, ever work. The reason, because it can't. It is impossible. The government doesn't care about cost or quality. Listen to Friedman beautifully explain this here. Check this out. Well, you know, you can spend your own money on yourself. And when you spend your own money on yourself, you're very careful of what you spend it on, and you make sure that you get the most for your dollars. You can spend your own money on somebody else. You give gifts to other people. You take people out to dinner. And when you spend your own money on somebody else, you're very careful that you don't spend too much. You try to keep down the amount you spend, but you don't worry very much about what the other fellow is getting from it. You don't pay anything like as much attention to the gifts you buy for other people as to the things you buy for yourself. Or you can spend somebody else's money as when you're spending the government's money. I say the government's money, the taxpayer's money, which the government has control of. Now you're spending somebody else's money. Let's say you're spending your boss's money. You're out to lunch on an expense account, but you're spending it on yourself. You're very careful that you get good, good good things for your money. You try to have a good lunch and pick the right things, but you're not very much worried about whether you get the cheapest, spend all you want, spend all you want <laughs> and you'll be careless. Now, what happens when you spend somebody else's money on somebody else? You're a, you're a distributor of welfare funds. Well, you're interested in making your own life as good as you can, and most people have humane instincts and want to do the best they can, but you're not going to be anything like as careful 
in spending somebody else's money on somebody else. So there are four ways in which you can spend money. Folks, that is the single most important economic clip I can ever play for you. I would argue that Milton Friedman's four ways to spend money, how government spends other people's money on other people, therefore cost and quality don't matter because it's not their money. So they don't care about the cost of what they spend it on. It's not theirs. And the quality doesn't matter because they're not even buying anything for themselves. They don't care if it's crap. It's probably as important as understanding third-party payer effects. Third-party payers. In other words, when you go to your doctor and the government pays, you don't care about the price. The government's paying through you, you, but the government's paying. And the doctor doesn't care what they charge you because you're not paying. So they know they don't have to be price sensitive. Those are the two most important economic things. Maybe throw an opportunity cost too. And you will understand more than most liberal economics, liberal e economists do right now. I'm not kidding. Government spending never works ever for those very simple reasons right there. Showing you again, government failures, how they don't understand even the basics of economics, supply and demand. Joe Biden from the start, since he's, uh, since he's arrived in the Oval Office, has gone in and, 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 and a full frontal war against the petroleum industry, targeting the Keystone Pipeline, drilling on federal lands, uh, uh, talking about a Green New Deal future. And therefore, we've seen issues with gas prices moving forward. Now, even liberals in California are starting to figure this out now, that when you, you institute a policy that is anti-petroleum resources, anti-energy, you're going to get high energy prices because you're going to have supply issues either now or in the future. Even liberals are figuring this out. Watch this in liberal California where they interview people at the gas pump who are just starting to get it like, hey, this is a real problem. One lady says, listen, I can't do it anymore with this. Here, check this out. California drivers now paying about $1.50 more per gallon than they did last year. A huge increase. This comes just as folks get ready to, you know, fill up those gas tanks and go on some Thanksgiving trips. And some of the drivers we spoke with said they're not shocked. They're high, uh, but, you know, with every all the other prices in the world creeping up as well, it's not too surprising. Man, they're high, really high, man. I know it's California, but these are some really high gas prices. I can't do this anymore. I ride my motorcycle a lot more. Uh, I have a one-ton diesel truck that just sits at the side of the house. Can't afford to fill it up. You have to get something smaller and more practical. Folks, that's California. The Democrats realize they have a problem. So now the gaslighting begins. You can always count on Democrats to never take responsibility for what they do. So when they can't take responsibility for what they do, what do they do? They lie. Look at the gaslighting going on. This is the Democrat Congressional Campaign Committee. They put out this ridiculous tweet thanking Joe Biden for this chart. The chart, ladies and gentlemen, is absurd and laughable. Apparently, over the last week, there has been a two cent decline. Two dollars? No, two cents decline. Despite a massive jump. And they're thanking Joe Biden by putting up this chart showing a two cent decline, which, by the way, is made to look all the more dramatic by scaling it on the uh, on the vertical axis to make it appear yeah. like it's this huge drop in gas prices. It's two cents yep. over a week. You think they don't know they have a problem? Tying it back to the beginning of the show. You think they don't know the big Mo is running against them? This is how desperate you are. You start putting out a chart touting a two cent drop in gas prices. Two cents. 
All right, I'm going to get to this uh, <clears throat> Wall Street Journal story. I mean, I got a couple other things going. Before I get to that, um, just uh, a note. I've got Jim Jordan on my radio show later. Jim Jordan's got some incredible information. I teased it on my radio show yesterday. But ladies and gentlemen, remember the National School Boards Association letter that wanted parents investigated as domestic terrorists for showing up to protest uh, critical race theory at the school boards? Remember that? It was a pretty, uh, a pretty widespread story in the media. Yeah. Made its way around. Well, Jordan's got some incredible information coming up later on my radio show that that National School Board letter sent to the DOJ, it may be the new dossier, folks. I'll just give you a quick summary. I'll let Jim Jordan give the details later because they're pretty, pretty nasty. Remember what the purpose of the dossier was, this, the Trump uh, collusion dossier. The Trump collusion dossier didn't start anything. Hillary Clinton and her team were pushing people inside the government to investigate Donald Trump for ties to Russia. The problem is they didn't have any evidence because it never existed. So they paid for the evidence by paying Christopher Steele and Fusion to make up this fake dossier. You have to understand the timeline. The allegation of Trump collusion started before the dossier. The dossier didn't start the allegations. You get what I mean? Everybody understand that? The dossier was an ex post facto piece of fake evidence. Jim Jordan is going to come on later and he's going to give us some really incredible information about how the initiative to target parents for showing up and protesting CRT, that the NSBA letter may have been an after-the-fact dossier to kind of back up why the Department of Justice already wanted to target parents. No, I didn't say that wrong. Stay tuned, radio show later. If that's the case, we are talking about a scandal so big, it's going to rival that of what happened with the collusion hoax, that the DOJ had horse blinders on to target parents and how to go out and find the new dossier and said, hey, the school board will provide it, National School Board Associations, don't you worry. That's a big deal. Okay. You know, ironically, yesterday during the radio show, before this article was even published, I had told you about a growing problem in our government right now, how the Constitutional Republic a representative democracy we have now is getting turned on its head. We elect policymakers, members of Congress and the Senate, correct? Even liberals know that. They're supposed to make policy. If we don't like the policy, what do we do? We vote them out. And I said on the radio show yesterday, well, what's the problem, Joe? Policymakers have no balls anymore. They never want to put anything down on paper because they don't want to take controversial votes on anything. So what do they do? They write these laws and this policy that looks like an empty black box and they let bureaucrats interpret what's in the box. So bureaucrats in the Federal Highway Administration, the FEC and the FCC, if the policy goes bad and energy prices go up or roads fall apart, the policymakers can go, we didn't write that in the law. We just wrote this kind of weird, esoteric sounding thing and they interpret it that way. Do you get it? Mm -hmm. And now what happens? The bureaucrats who were never elected, who we can't get rid of, we're stuck with them. As if, ladies and gentlemen, the verdict is in as if on cue, this article comes out yesterday in the Wall Street Journal after the radio show, proving my point. So Democrat policymakers in swing states, not the liberals, the kooks don't care, they'll vote for any nutty thing. In swing states, don't want to go on the record supporting Green New Deal nonsense that are going to make energy prices go up. So what did they do? 
Don't worry, folks. They just turned over a bunch of money to Pete Buttigieg and the Federal Highway Administration to do their own greenhouse gas stuff. This is right after I got off the air. Here, Pete Buttigieg's Highway to Green Heaven in the Wall Street Journal, proving my point, says one provision in this spending bill the Democrats want will give uh, the Federal Highway Administration $50 million to establish a greenhouse gas performance measure that requires states to, to set performance targets to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. The agency would also establish an incentive structure to reward states that demonstrate the most significant progress and consequences for those that don't meet the standard. You see it? Wow. You see what they do? I just came out right after the show. This is what they do. Government has been turned on its head. Write a blank check in a in in in, in, in some esoteric language into policy, and let bureaucrats like Pete Buttigieg, who wasn't elected to anything, matter of fact, couldn't get elected, he lost. Let him enforce the policy, and then if Buttigieg goes out and does some green new deal thing, and energy prices go up, they'll just blame Buttigieg. Perfect timing. Perfect timing. All right, one of my favorite times of the week. It's time for, do we have the stinger thing? Oh, you'll put it in, but we always put it, but questions for Dan. I didn't actually hear the stinger. We never do. He always puts it in post, but you heard it. So, you know, it's there. I know what it sounds like too. Question number one. This is from my locals account. If you want to check me out on locals, locals.com. I am at D Bongino. Follow there. If you want to subscribe, I do some premium content for people there. It's become the Dan Bongino reality show. Here's a question. They say, hey, Dan, let's say DeSantis declines a VP invite to complete his work in Florida. Who's the obvious vice presidential nod for Trump? And they thank me for kicking ass, taking names and putting your money where your mouth is. Thank you. That's from at strong like bear. Appreciate that. I did not include the question because of the compliment, by the way. It's a good one. Um, I don't know if Ron DeSantis were, say, Donald Trump runs in 2024, which seems likely. He said so much on my show um, that I would like the answer. I don't know. I was thinking about this. Jim Jordan could be a possibility. Um, you know, Christy Nome, although she's kind of fallen out of favor with a lot of conservatives. Uh, this, I would say those would be two leading contenders for a potential VP nod. But there's a bunch of people. He may pick someone entirely out of the box. I mean, he may pick someone from the business world. Um, someone from the military. You never know. But I'd say Jim Jordan could probably be up there. Uh, so good question. But uh, there's not a real front runner outside of DeSantis, and I'm not sure DeSantis would accept it. But good question. This is from at Kirsten SC. Dan, do you have any close family or friends who are liberal? Um, unfortunately, I do. My Christmas guests who have been celebrating at our house for years are extremely liberal. And in spite of my efforts to have respectful conversations about important topics, I've been shut down, condescended to, accused of using my white privilege and other offenses. For the first time, I've considered making other plans. What would you do? That's a fantastic question. Those aren't your friends. Kirsten, I'm sorry. I don't mean to be rude. They're not your friends. Why would you even consider spending time with these people? If they're condescending and they're accusing you of white privilege, in other words, they're being racist towards you, those aren't the kind of friends I'd want around. It's a great question, and I understand you may be loyal to them and you've known them forever, but the world is full of really difficult, hard choices. Sometimes I wish it weren't, but it is. Those are not your friends. If they're family members, they're, they're, not, they're still not your friends. I don't, bloodlines don't mean anything if people are going to treat you like crap. What does that mean? It's because they're family doesn't mean they're friends. I've got friends who are more like family than some family are friends. 
I'm really sorry, but if someone's going to accuse you of white privilege and make a notably racist slur at you, then those aren't your friends. Give them the boot, Kirsten. It's time to make other plans. You ask me what I would do, I wouldn't even consider that. I know some people who are liberal, but honestly, they don't talk about politics around me a lot, and they've never disrespected me, and I treat people with dignity until they prove and give me a reason uh, to do otherwise. Here's another one. R.M. McHenry. Hey, Dan, are you ever going to live stream events for your podcast? You know, we, we're considering it. Yes, if I do it, I'll do it on Rumble. We are strongly considering it. Um, the podcast, the, the radio show, excuse me, right now is live streamed on Fox Nation. If you subscribe, it's live. You can see it. The camera stays on during the breaks and everything. So uh, we have a lot of fun there. But uh, for the podcast, yeah, we are considering that. No doubt. Yeah, Guy likes the idea too. And uh, one of the things you'll notice, which Joe can attest to is, you know, listen, there's a lot of fumbles in the show. And I think in a live stream, they'd be fun. Yeah. Joe, me, Gee, stuff happens all the time. Gee forgets an element. I say something stupid. You know, <laughs> Joe coughs or throws up during the show or something <laughs> like that. I mean, it happens all the time. So your live stream would be fun. Yes, we are thinking about it. It's a very good question. All right. Mary K888 wants to know, hey, Dan, now a fun question. What are you doing for Christmas, New Year's? Um, I'm thinking of traveling because I got COVID. I didn't tell you all this, but... um. My wife had to stay away from me out of the house while I was uh, potentially contagious. My wife and kids. So for Thanksgiving, I was alone. And Paula cried. It was sad. I didn't want to talk. Maybe I get choked up. I love my wife and kids a lot, obviously. And uh, Paula came in here crying. She didn't want to leave. And I said to her, she says, Thanksgiving, I can't leave you alone. I said, you have to. Well, number one, you can't get sick. Number two, I don't want you to get sick. Number three, I don't want you to not enjoy Thanksgiving because I'm sick. I said, I'm just going to sit here and, you know, watch movies. And that's it. And I did. And um, so Christmas, I'm probably going to go visit some family, maybe in New York. I may do some other stuff. I'm not sure. New Year's, folks, I'm not a night owl at all. I fall asleep at like 930. I stay up because Paula's Colombian. She has a Colombian tradition. You have to eat 12 grapes and have a sip of champagne. So I stay up for her. And me and the kids say, Happy New Year. But honestly, don't tell the kids. I'm like dying every New Year's trying to stay up and I eat my grapes because of Paula. And then I go right to bed at like at like 12 and one second, I'm in the bed. That's it. Once the grapes are done, in the bed. You got to do a Colombian tradition. So that's what I'm doing. Good question. Here's another one from at S Apple. What are your thoughts on contributing money to the RNC versus individual candidates? I do not contribute money to the RNC. I'm not knocking the RNC. Maybe they do some good stuff. I only contribute to individual candidates because I think there's a lot of bureaucratic mess. I can tell you having run for office, when you contribute to individual candidates, the overwhelming majority of money goes to the candidate. Well, if you're contributing to the candidate, where else would it go? There's some costs involved in the transaction. There's some bureaucratic costs to running a campaign. Um, but I give to individual candidates. The bureaucratic mess that goes on with giving to some of these organizations, I'm not interested in. I pick a, a select crop of candidates, and that's who I give to. Some at the very local level, some at the federal level, and for president as well. It's my opinion. You do what you got to do what you want there. Uh, here's another one. Hey, Dan, will you consider doing a hot mic where the Fox Nation viewers can hear the conversations between <laughs> you and the producers? On my radio show? Oh, my gosh. During the break? <laughs> I don't know. And I, I'll tell you, yeah, I'll tell you why, Joe. 
As Joe knows, as he's heard me off the air, I haven't, listen, I'm sorry. I have a really terrible mouth. It's growing up in New York. I'm trying. I know it's not right. I know. I always get emails. Dan, you're a Christian. I know. I am. I, uh, you shouldn't talk like that. I know. I'm trying. I promise I'm trying. I'm not celebrating. But I have a really awful mouth. And, um, you know, just growing up in New York, you were bathed in it. It's so hard. So I'm afraid to keep the mic. Now, if you watched my radio show on Fox Nation Live, the sound goes off during the break, but the camera stays on. So you see, I'm usually fiddling with my phone or whatever, getting some coffee or something like tea or whatever. But uh, I'm afraid to turn the mic on because, yeah, there's some F-bombs. Matter of fact, someone emailed me once and said, Dan, I can mouth out what you're saying during the breaks in the radio show on Fox Nation. And how many F-bombs was that? Seven or eight? And I was like, yeah, maybe 10. Yeah. You may have underestimated it. So, you, yeah, they can, you can see him. Is this the last one? Okay. Okay. Two, all right. Oh, I already answered. All right. Oh, the funny observation. Why do you scratch your head with the opposite hand? This is the one I talked about. This is by Ejan10. Again, because my left shoulder doesn't work, folks. I have severe arthritis. My left shoulder is so damaged. I can't lift my arm above my head. So if I get an itch on this side of my head, I have to scratch it with that hand. So I said that before. And we got one more. Oh, that's it. Okay. Great questions this week. I really appreciate it. Hey, just some quick programming notes. Again, uh, Unfiltered, my Fox show airs tomorrow, Saturday, 10 p.m. Eastern time. Please tune in. I've got another hot debate with the Democrats. going to be good <laughs> for a lot of reasons. I got that. Set your DVR if you can't make it live. And uh, thank you again for your support of Rumble. Went public yesterday with CFVI. It was an unbelievable day. We are... Uh, yeah, free and open internet is going to be born again. And I am darn proud to be a part of it. And subscribe to my Rumble account, rumble.com slash Bongino. Thanks for another great week, folks. Week, folks, spit it out. See you on the radio show on the Fox show tomorrow night. Good day, sir. You just heard Dan Bongino.